We are in this series called Christmas Playlist, which gives a bit of a twist to the traditional Christmas series by incorporating several of our favorite songs of the season. And I hope, hopefully, uh, you've known the songs we have referenced previously. We've looked at the first Noel. We also referenced the, uh, the song Away in a Manger. And uh, even if you haven't heard of those two, which I can't imagine you haven't, but maybe you haven't, um, I have no doubt you'll know this next one, which is Joy to the World. And uh, I, I, would, I would wonder if, if there's anyone here today that could, could use some more joy. Are you full? Are you done? You don't need any more joy? Or, or you, could you use some more joy, some more good news in your life today? Imagine as you uh, go through each day and, and you get to the end of the day, you think, yep, I need another fill-up of joy because it, there were some joy suckers today that just sucked it right out of me, and I need to fill up again. Well, look with me to the book of Psalms. We're going to look at Psalm 98. It's going to be on the screen behind me. And uh, we'll, look at the, we'll look at six verses of Psalm 98, and uh, you can follow along as I read. Sing to the Lord a new song. For he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with the trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. This is an incredible psalm of praise. If you you got to go back and reread it again because it just it will lift your spirits. But we sing the song "Joy to the World," celebrating the fact that, as the song says, the Lord. Is come. That's our reality today as believers. You see, Christmas, Christmas time fills us with joy as we remember the salvation that comes through the birth of Jesus. The mark of a Christian should be a joy that isn't dependent upon external circumstances or situations. Our joy springs eternally because we have been rescued from our sin. So, this morning, I want to tell you a little bit about joy from the Bible itself, helping us kind of grasp a, a greater understanding of what leads us into the type of praise talked about here in Psalm 98. Now, I can remember as a little kid um, the emotions I felt during Christmas, being able to see that Christmas tree and realize there are gifts. There are gifts under that tree. Gifts for me, <laughs> and I'm going to have fun opening those gifts up on Christmas. There were some times on Christmas Day, though, that when I opened up those gifts, it wasn't exactly what I was hoping for. <laughs> and yeah, if you've given clothes to little kids, little boys, and sometimes that's just not the greatest thing. <laughs> you want the cars, you want the toys, you want the stuff you can play with, and, and, and you're, you're told to be thankful for those gifts, no matter what you get, definitely. But my feelings about Christmas as a kid was based upon the circumstances around me, the situation around me. And so 
those, those happenings around caused me happiness or, or not happiness. Actual joyous time, though, of, of, of experiencing that kind of emotion of joy, that came when I was able to hold our newborn kids, our firstborn, Anthony, Jameson when he was born, Zachary when he was born, Maddie, our first girl, <laughs> and Brianna, our last child. Be able to hold them when they were just newborn. The joy I felt was so much different from getting a gift for Christmas. And then that joy extends now even to this day when I was able to hold our first grandchild. That was special joy right there. That's joy. That's the feeling from the Lord of, uh, of no matter what happens around you, God is good. And His joy comes upon us in that way. Now, earlier on the first Sunday of these series of messages, we talked a little bit about the difference between joy and happiness, where happiness is based upon happenings. Joy seems to be something the Holy Spirit puts in us that we simply cannot contain. In fact, joy is one of the first uh, one of the fruits of the spirit outlined in Galatians chapter 5. It's something that we need to have within us as as we walk with the Lord. And it's something that is meant to be present and, and even guide us through the exciting but also the difficult situations we face in life. And many would refer to it as a key indicator of a follower of Christ. If you follow Jesus, you've got joy. Now, we're not talking about happiness. He didn't promise happiness. He promised joy in us. So that's why we must talk about what true joy looks like. Most importantly, why we have it. So let me share with you some reasons why we have it. We have joy because of God's remembered promises. Looking back at Psalm 98. Verse 3 says, He has remembered His love and His faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Now, one of the best concepts in all of Scripture is that of remembering. Now, some of us here today have good memories, <laughs> while other, others of us have a memory that might need some help. <laughs> I'm part of that as well, too. When it comes to names, uh, maybe you as well too, you got to recite the name over and over again, or you're going to say, hi, you just introduced yourself and I can't remember your name anymore. It's just boo, gone. We have memory problems at times. And, uh, but regardless, we serve a God who constantly remembers His promises. But how often do God's people forget His goodness? How often do His people forget His faithfulness in their lives? In Exodus chapter 15, people of Israel have just been delivered from captivity in Egypt through the miraculous parting of the Red Sea, just as God promised would happen. Then they sing a song of deliverance to the Lord, one that mirrors in many ways the words in Psalm 98. And they are clearly experiencing great joy because of their freedom, but not long after that, we begin to read about their complaints. 
You can follow along and behind me here. Numbers chapter 11, the first five verses. It says, Now the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord. And when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Then fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. When the people cried out to Moses, he prayed to the Lord and the fire died down. So that place was called Tabera, because fire from the Lord had burned among them. Interesting in verse 4, the rabble with them began to crave other food. The rabble, that, there were others that were joining the Israelites to get out of Egypt. And they weren't Israelites, but they wanted to come along anyway for a better, a, a better life. But it's interesting as it's described, the rabble, the rabble with them, began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing. So they heard the rabble and they started wailing. Interesting little message right there, all on its own right there. But uh, So they started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, onions, and garlic. Oh, their breath must have been great. Whew. And then chapter 21, in Numbers chapter 21, verse 5, well, a little bit of verse 4, it says, But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the desert? There's no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I look at this, and I would think I'd step back about 5 feet, maybe 10, 20 feet, <laughs> and watch out for lightning coming down. Um, but you're probably thinking, how could the Israelites complain when they had just seen God provide for them by opening the Red Sea, be able to escape? How could they not trust God after that? And it's easy for us today to look at that and say, say these things, but if we had been in this situation as well, maybe our response would have been similar to that of the Israelites, especially if the rabble was encouraging us to say those things as well, too. Have you had moments in your life when you had a hard time remembering all that God has done in your life? Maybe you've forgotten and something brought that to your attention. And you went, oh, that's right. God did that. And you, you thought, I wish I could remember those things when I'm going through difficult times. Well, l let me just help you with a little application about this, and maybe you've done this yourself already, but you can do a couple things about this, a couple things that could guide you into the recall of what God has done for you. One of the things you can do, and maybe you, you do this already, is a praise journal, a praise journal. Now, some of you who keep a journal, diary, or whatever else, maybe you put it in there as well, too. Somehow it shows up in, in your writings. But if you keep just a specific praise journal, what God has done for you, you can go back on that, date it, you know, when it happened. Go back on that and be reminded in those difficult times that God is good. God is faithful. Recently, just this last week, I was reminded of God's perfect timing and how He provided in that way this week. I was on my way from the church, heading on down. I had uh, uh, two options for me at that moment, going down Sunnyside Road, back down, back to my house, grab a quick lunch and then go, or go over to Glenmore 
and visit some people. Now, we've been praying for Carolyn in these days and uh, continue to pray for Carolyn as she deals with the cancer and stuff that's going on in her her life right now, but I thought I'd go by and, and, and well, heading down Sunnyside Road, I had a choice. And I thought, oh, I could go get lunch and then come back. Well, I'll go to Glenmore, and it was just right, pulling right off and did that. I was compelled to go there at that time. Got out of the car, went on in the lobby, and I was thinking, okay, her, her door's down, down the hallway, I'll head on down there. And so I walked down, I looked and noticed there was Carolyn right there by the big old Christmas tree. <laughs> I thought, Hey, <laughs> so I went over and we talked for a little bit and we, we visited. And as we were visiting there for a little bit, then uh, coming through the door, Marilyn <laughs> was walking through the door after I think you guys had lunch out somewhere with the group and they were all coming on in. I said, oh, hi. And so I was there, visited with Marilyn a little bit. And as I was talking with her, I looked over and there was Claire over there sitting with another friend. And I thought, wow, okay. And so I visited with her a little bit too. God just kind of said, go to Glenmore. You, 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 this is good timing. Go now. <laughs> so it was good timing in that way. Uh, there, also another, it, it was this week as well too. God reminded me of his timing is perfect. As you see, we have a different piano here. Uh, Monday night during the choir practice, we realized, we, we discovered that the piano wasn't working. <laughs> it was like, uh-oh, <laughs> what are we going to do now? Because the repairman, who is, he's the only guy in Washington, Oregon, and Alaska that fixes these kind of pianos. I'm thinking, train somebody, <laughs> mentor somebody, please. And so uh, I knew he, uh, we'd call earlier because it was kind of acting up a little bit, and, uh, but he was like three months out as far as repairing, and we had to take the whole thing in and drop it off for, to, to his place, uh, workstation up in uh, uh, North Portland area. And I said, well, we have no way of transporting it, and um, we can't do without it for that long. Uh, we kind of have some spares. Maybe we can bring up the keyboard from downstairs or something. Well, Don, he's, uh, he's on his way to Kentucky, and he said, well, I can bring this over. Uh, you guys can use it there, and that's okay, great. And so we have this now. Anyway, so on, uh, on Thursday after, uh, well, Thursday morning actually, Don brought over the piano. He had movers bring over the piano. And I had the other keyboard uh, disassemble the legs and I said, we're going to try to fit this in my car. <laughs> he said, okay. So we picked it up and moved on over and shoved it on in and was able to get the seat, uh, the back seat down and it fit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And got the, got the, uh, the footing in there, the legs in there, and, and all the other things in there as well, too. And then uh, I thought, well, I hope this guy's going to be there at his shop because I've got this in my car right now. Maybe I should have called ahead. Um, I did call before I left, and he, he voicemail, and this was, uh, this was on Thursday. So he said uh, in this message saying that uh, Mondays he's in, in the shop, and in the store, but then Tuesday, the rest of the days he's out doing repairs. May not be in the shop whenever. And I thought, oh crud, okay. I got a keyboard in my car till Monday. That's not gonna work very well. Anyway, so I, um, I thought, well, maybe I can just go ahead and, and show up. And I looked it on Google Maps and it showed that it was open till five. And I thought, okay, he wouldn't have had that on there if he's not there during the day. So anyway. I, uh, after, after uh, preschool, Katie's preschool class, our grandson Ransom is in that one, and he, uh, I take him home back to his parents in Oregon City. 
So I had to do that first after uh, in the noontime. And then um, Amanda didn't get back in time, his mom. And so we had to wait about 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I was like, okay, I got to get out to the place to get out there, see if he's going to be there. And so she finally arrives, and I drop him off, and we say our goodbyes. I say my goodbyes and, and get on my way. And uh, once again, I double check, and sure enough, same message. He's not there. I was like, oh, I'll just go. Maybe I can make it out there and drop it off, and we'll see. Get out to North Portland and pull up to the shop. Sure enough, it's all dark. <laughs> no one's there. It's like, oh, man. Go up to the storefront there. The door has a sign on it, and it repeats the same thing. Here on Monday, gone the rest of the days. <clears throat> Here's an emergency number, and I was tempted to call the emergency number, but I didn't. I thought, okay. I was resigned to go ahead and transport that, that keyboard in my car for <laughs> until Monday. And got back in the car, pulled out, going through the parking lot, and coming the other direction was this big van, and it was the piano tuner guy, a repair guy. It's like, hey! <laughs> so I turned around and I followed him back to the shop. He got it before he almost he couldn't get out of his van before I got over there real fast. And I said, are you going to be here today? And in the shop said, well, yeah, I just got done with my repairs, so I'm going to be here for, for the rest of the day. And I was like, yes, I would like to drop off a piano for you. <laughs> so it was that timing that I was just kind of, no, I got to get out there fast. I wish Amanda got home sooner. But it was all working out. If I had gotten there too early, it wouldn't have worked. If I gotten there too late, it wouldn't have worked. And God just provided in that situation. His timing is perfect in a lot of ways. And so in this situation just reminded me, and you better believe I'm writing this down in my praise journal saying God helped and God showed up and worked in this whole situation. So praise journals are great to be able to be reminded of what he has done in our lives. Another thing that you can do as well too, and you got to settle this now, faith that God is good. God is good. you got to settle that now and, and, and be reaffirmed from Scripture about how God is good and He wants the best in your life. But we all tend to have the selective memory. Often we will think back to our past and in certain seasons remember only the, the lowest points. Maybe those things affect you more and so you remember them more. But the times that frustrated us the most. This then adds to our current frustrations, and we spiral out of control, and eventually we need someone to blame. We need a scapegoat for all that this is going on, and things out of control, and nothing's going right. We need a scapegoat for all our problems, and more often than not, that ends up being God. Where we just go, why God? Why do you have this happening to me? Why are you having this going on in my life right now? For the Israelites, they thought back to a dark season of their lives in Egypt as if it were far better than their present free reality. <laughs> it goes to show, once again, that we as people don't have a very good memory and how soon we seem to forget God's faithfulness. But remember what the Bible says about God's memory. In verse 3 of Psalm 98, He has remembered His promise to love and be faithful to his people. We need to remember that as we go through difficult times. This should bring us abundant joy <laughs> to be reminded of, of God's love and, his, and, and, and to be faithful to his people. And here's what you need to hear today if you don't hear anything else. Even when we are unfaithful, God is always faithful to his promises. We can't change that. 
We can't change that the way we act and our unfaithfulness. God will always be faithful to his promises. Many times in the Old Testament, he remembers his promises. And what do these promises sound like? Well, one of them sounds like Genesis chapter 12, first three verses, where the Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Very interesting that uh, last verse, I think. I think our nation needs to reread that again. <laughs> be reminded, I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. But God is one who gives good gifts, one of which is the gift of joy through the power of the Holy Spirit within us. Another thing uh, to bring to your attention of why we have joy, we have joy because of God's righteousness. We have joy because of God's righteousness. We don't just have joy because of God's follow-through on His promises, but also because of His righteousness. In Psalm 98, verse 2, it said, The Lord has made His salvation known and revealed His righteousness to the nations. Someone who is acting in righteousness is literally one who is conformed to the will of God. If God is righteous Himself, he serves as a model for us, teaching us what righteousness looks and sounds like, most clearly through the person and ministry of Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 1, verse 17, it says, For in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And this verse helps us to see that by placing our faith in the work and person of Jesus, we are made righteous. This isn't a, an act that we do ourselves. We can't have this happen by what we do. But rather, this is the work of God in and through us. So we are seen as righteous in God's sight. But maybe today, you look at the person of Jesus as we read about in the Gospel accounts. You say to yourself, this is someone who is perfect. I'm not perfect. Was there anyone counted as righteous from the Old Testament who was broken and sinful like us? I'm glad you asked. Yes, let me show you something here in the story of Job. story of Job. The first chapter, the first verse in the land of us, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. Now, the Bible says that Job was a man who lived a blameless life, one of the qualities of a righteous life. And in fact, this man, Job, was described this way by God himself in verse 8 of uh, chapter 1 of Job. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Same comment. This is the kind of man... I hope you, the type of person I hope you desire to be, it's definitely what I desire to be. But as we said earlier today, it's easy to have joy when things are going well for us in life. It's easy to notice that more. What about when our situation takes a turn for the worse? This is exactly what happens in the story of Job. As Satan takes most of his possessions, 
and his family away from Job and leaves him only with his wife. Now, guys, don't, no comments about that right now. That would be good. But listen how he responds. Listen how he responds to this. In Job chapter 2, verse 10, he says, You are talking like a foolish woman. Where basically she says, just curse God and die. Just get it over with. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all of this, Job did not sin in what he said. This is surely the response from someone who seeks to continue living a righteous and blameless life. But it certainly isn't an easy way to live, especially during these days. But has there been a time when something bad happened and you responded poorly? You wish you were able to grab those words back or maybe redo that action again, uh, over again, have a do-over, have a mulligan? You were frustrated and maybe even angry, but, but, but somehow, though, against the odds, you were able to maintain your joy through the power of the Spirit. You were frustrated about the situation that was going on around you, but still there's, there's this underlying joy. I can remember, and I shared this with you guys before, the transition we had from Labish Center, the church we were at as I was a youth pastor there for 13 years, to here, to Happy Valley. And the year of 2004... <laughs> was crazy for us. Crazy for this church, too, because they were also losing a pastor, a good friend, mentor for many, that was moving on to be a missionary, and he and his wife, Dave and Carol, moving on. So here comes this young youth pastor looking like deer in the headlights, and like, this is a senior pastor job, what am I supposed to do? And that year, 2004, for our family, brought so many interesting circumstances around us. But the thing about it is that in those circumstances, there are plenty of reasons for us to be frustrated and angry. Just a little frustrated about things were going on. Like, for instance, um, in uh, May of 2004, we found a home just down the road over here off of Sunnyside on 142nd, and we were ready, or 46, we were ready to... Uh, close in on the deal there, and we were going to find a nice little house, a little park across the, the road there, nice little neighborhood, and we were working to get the financing through an FHA loan, and uh, when the, those things were happening, we, we thought, okay, that's in the process, that's going on, now let's get ourselves ready, so we need to uh, um, pack things up and get things going. So I packed up my office from Labish Center, getting ready to transfer it over to Happy Valley here, and uh, um, when uh, June came around, then there was some change of plans because the FHA loan wasn't going to go through. It couldn't go through. The government wa- would want um, assurance that the power, that tower power lines would not fall over on the house and those big things that hold the power lines. And we're like, who's going to do that? How can we prove that? And so basically, that deal didn't go through. And although we were packing up our home um, the middle of June, getting everything in boxes, and by the middle of that time, we realized that uh, that loan was going to be dead, and therefore our, our opportunity to move into that house was not going to happen. So we were like, we're all packed up and no place to go. <laughs> this is fun. And then uh, through that whole, whole time as well, too, in June, my first day in the office on the 23rd of June, and then, of course, the 26th, my first uh, official Sunday at Happy Valley in 2004. And all these things going on, with me and, and our family and, and me having to commute back and forth from Salem to here every day 
and uh, living down in Salem. Um, all those things going on, but then we were able to make an offer on a house that we live in now, and a person from Labish Center uh, was able to help us find that place. <laughs> but while we were still in Salem, uh, our boys at the time uh, and and girls, Bree was little, 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 and uh, uh, they they were watching TV, and the only thing we could do is like put on a a, a video or something like that, so they can watch, so we can pack things up. A TV tube blew out. <laughs> it's like okay. What now? What now? And I, I guess we shouldn't have asked that. But anyway, in, in July, then we moved. It's a whole summer. It's just crazy. We were pretty much uh, homeless, <laughs> nomads. We uh, lived over at Multnomah Homeless Camp for a week uh, on the 4th through 11th. And then uh, my car, my uh, Ford Escort, if some of you remember that little thing, <laughs> I'm surprised I survived in that car. But anyway, um, it, 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 it stopped working, so we had to put it, give it to the shop. And on that same uh, week or whatever, Becky got in a car accident, totaled our van, and I had no way of getting over there. I had to grab the church van and head on over. It was downtown on, on I-5, and I had to pick up the, the family and the kids and everyone. All those things were happening. Uh, so we had to borrow the Nicolay's van. And so we drove around in that for a while. And, uh, and then Moldova Holiness Camp ended, of course, and so we had to find another place to live. And so uh, we stayed at Bob and Sharon's place for a few days. And uh, we were able to stay there because they were on vacation. <laughs> so that was good. Um, we were able to do that. And we could house sit for them. Anyway, and uh, all of that going on, well, we, the Nicolays needed their van back. So we had to borrow a van from a family down at the Bish Center. We borrowed that van for a little bit to get around places. Jennings Lodge happened. So it's kind of like our annual conference. So during that time, we stayed up in Battleground with Becky's parents and the kids there as well too. I drove down from there to Milwaukee to Jennings Lodge for the different meetings every day and, and the night. And so that was going on. And then when that was happening, when that week ended, uh, the van that we were borrowing from down in Salem, it died on us. And we're like, you're, you're kidding me. <laughs> really? It died on us, so we had to limp it back down to Salem to give it to the people down there, and we borrowed the Nicolay's van again, <laughs> so we were able to do that. Um, just crazy stuff like that was going on. Everything was happening, and August was no different. Uh, that was the time where we, uh, we um, had our move, we, moving vans, and on the two days, we gathered everything up. From our, our place and say not everything we had to get rid of a lot of stuff and the move to Happy Valley there we uh, um, we did that uh, I did Camp Mayfield uh, for a week um, <laughs> my Ford Escort when we went and visited over at the Teasons house was parked in their garage their driveway and if you've been to the Teasons house the driveway is kind of like this kind of like the other way of uh, the Grimms <laughs> but it's this way up to the house and uh, the Ford Escort didn't stay in park. <laughs> And it was kind of doing this down the driveway. I hadn't noticed until we heard a, uh, my car horn honking. I was like, what's that? That sounds like my car. I looked out the window, and the neighbors in the, my car honking the horn saying, come on out here, your car's going down the driveway. I was like, oh, okay. So yes, the Ford Escort, wonderful little, little thing. But anyway, that pops out of gear, and take it back to the uh, mechanics, get that fixed. We celebrated our 14th anniversary. That was good, but man, all the stuff surrounding it going on. Um, I just about killed myself biking to the church from, from our house down there because it's uphill and everywhere else. I, I thought I was going to heave up a lung by the time I got here. 
And, uh, and of course, uh, during that time, um, oh, uh, when was it? It was, uh, oh, <laughs> towards the end of, of August, we realized that we didn't set up our natural gas account correctly. And so uh, on, a, uh, think of, uh, on a Sunday morning, we realized we had no natural gas, so we had no water heater, no hot water. It was like, oh, Sunday morning, good. So I came on out here, I showered out here, stuff still worked at that time. We had a hot water heater out here, but... Finally got that back online in September. We discovered that our roof leaked, and so we had to get that fixed. And a lot of people in the church here helped out with that. But also, um, <laughs> during that time, uh, I was off with Brianna Maddie uh, to uh, park in West Lynn, and Becky calls me that Jameson broke his arm at school. <laughs> like, are you kidding? Wow, this is so fun. Um, and so... Uh, I had to get there before the ambulance got there, so we didn't have to pay a big old fee for the ambulance to take him over to Willamette Falls, and so we took him on over there, and this young doctor by the name of Dr. Ballard set his arm. Now, some of you might know that name. I know it very well because he's also the one who performed my hip replacement surgery and also Mike Westby's hip replacement surgery as well, too. So I was like, hey, I know you. <laughs> anyway, so that got taken care of, but there was a big old thing about that, too, Jameson's arm wasn't it wasn't correctly uh, setting and it had to have big surgery going on there. We uh, a van we were borrowing from the from another family in Salem died on us again. We're like we're cursed. Something's <laughs> happening here, and we had to take that back down down to Salem and uh, all those things going on. We were just this is crazy. And uh, at the end of the month, Becky's back went out on her. <laughs> And her voice went out. It's like, okay, this isn't so happy here in Happy Valley. I'm not sure what's going on. But the uh, roof got done, Jameson's arm got fixed, and all those things. But all the situations and happenings around us, we could have just thrown it in and said, that's it. <laughs> this is no fun. Uh, God, what are you doing? This isn't, this isn't joyful. But it wasn't happy is what it was. The thing is, that through all that time, we still had the joy of the Lord. We could, we could go <laughs> sitting in the living room and seeing the leak coming down in our house. <laughs> all we could do is just laugh. We could, could not believe what was going on in that summer of 2004. All that to say is that we can, be, we, we can, we can have plenty of reasons to, to be frustrated and to be angry about the things around us. But through it all, remember the joy of the Lord. It will guide you through those moments. It will take you through those difficulties as you, again, remember what He has done and as you have already settled that God is good. And when you do that, those difficulties come here, those happenings that, that aren't so happy, it won't affect your joy. It's not like you're going to say, oh, yay, this is fun. The roof is leaking and Jameson's arm is broken and we don't have a car and we don't have any place to live. Yeah. Whatever. No, it's not doing that. It's just knowing that because of all these things that are going on, knowing that that will not affect the joy you have from God. And that's those moments where you just can't explain it. You should be frustrated. You should be angry. But the joy of the Lord just overwhelms you, guides you through those moments. But God can handle our frustrations, really. He can handle our pain. When you do feel frustrated about situations, you can get angry. It's fine. You're not a robot. You have emotions. You have feelings. There are seasons we all will go through that cause us grief. 
But in the middle of our grief and our pain, we can understand that if we have placed our faith in Jesus, God has already counted us as righteous because of His Son. So we still have reason to rejoice. Maybe this is the very season you find yourself in right now. It might not be like our our summer of 2004. (laughs) Maybe it is. But you've lost, maybe you've lost a loved one. And you don't understand why God would allow you to sit in this pain. Here you are. It's Christmas time. Should be joyful. Should be happy. But you don't, don't understand. Why does God have me in this right now? Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a career that you felt would take you to retirement, but that narrative has now changed and you're in pain because of it. What are you going to do now? What's going to happen? Or maybe your health has taken a turn for the worse and there's not a lot that can be done about it. What are you going to do now? But right here in the middle of your pain, please know this. If you know Jesus, you know righteousness. If you know Jesus, you know hope. If you know Jesus, you know comfort. And if you know Jesus, you know peace. And therefore, if you know Jesus, you know the source of all true joy. So we have joy because of God's promises. Remembered, we we have joy because of God's righteousness. And finally, we have joy because of God's rescue plan. Now, according to Psalm 98 and other books in the Bible, we have joy because of God's rescue plan for us. When Jesus came to this earth in the form of a child, born in a manger, as we talked about last week, God brought His plan of rescue for humanity even closer than before. Let's revisit the beginning of verse 2 in our psalm once again, Psalm 98, verse 2. The Lord has made His salvation known and revealed His righteousness to the nations. He has announced His victory. And what is this victory? Through the incarnation, through the crucifixion, through, through the resurrection of Jesus This victory is for all humanity over sin and death. As John 3.16 says, For God so loved the whole world. Everyone has opportunity to this. And now, because of Christ, there is a way back to intimate communion with God. And what was broken in the Garden of Eden because of Adam's sin has now been restored through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Paul says it in another way in Romans chapter 5. He says, For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and other gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. This is the promise of all promises. (laughs) Christ has reversed the curse of sin. He has given us a better identity to be part of, one of righteousness. As the song Joy to the World says, the glories of His righteousness and wonders of His love should lead us to a place of rejoicing. As Christmas approaches, we can know that our King has come and rescued us from the trap of sin. So we've covered kind of a lot of ground today, from the exodus out of Egypt 
to the Psalms, to Paul and the book of Romans. And through it all, there's, there's one truth that remains the same. The righteous, faithful love of God for His people. Going through difficult times, seeing situations that just bring you down, been with a lot of joy suckers today, <laughs> maybe yesterday, last week, thinking, man, how am I going to get through this? Remember, the righteous, faithful love of God for His people. It's because of this truth that we rejoice today. It's because of Him that we can, we can sing joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. It's important to remember that God's love is powerful enough for the entire world and specific enough for your life. He knows your, your every need. He knows your silent prayers. He knows your struggles. He knows your hopes. He knows your dreams. He is a good, good Father. And today, I want to invite you into a relationship with Him. If you do not know Him as your Savior, if you don't know the baby in a manger who has grown, grown up to be a, a man walking this earth and, and a son of God that went to the cross and died for your sins, if you have not received that gift of salvation from what He has done for us, then today is the day of salvation for you. You're only a prayer away. I also want to invite you... Uh, back into a right relationship with Him. If you know Jesus as your Savior, but maybe it's just been clouded a bit, there's been a lot of things that have pushed in on that that has caused that relationship to kind of grow, grow stale, maybe push to the side a little bit. Today is the day where you renew that. And you say, Lord, I want to draw close to you. I want to sense your presence. I want to sense your guidance. <laughs> I want to sense your peace. I need you in my life. Think about all that. Is that he is the he is the 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 fountain of eternal and everlasting joy. He is the source of that. And the thing is that you're just a prayer away from all of that. If you'd like to pray and while when I pray you can do that right now. You can come to the altar if you want as well too. Not really a scary place. It's a good place to, to cement a decision, put it in the ground real deep, and bring Satan back to it, reminding him, this is what happened here. Don't try to drag me down. Don't try to tell me otherwise. I made a decision for Christ right here. If you can point to that somewhere in your life, or even right now, somehow be able to attach something to that, it's good so that you can bring it to Satan's attention when he tries to trip you up, tries to discourage you. But if you'd like to pray, this is a time to be able to spend some time with God and uh, allow Him to work in your life. Let's pray right now. Lord Jesus, uh, we thank You for this day. Thank You for who You are. <clears throat> we thank You for what You're about to do. And I pray, Lord, that if there's someone here today that does not know you as Savior. They know you as uh, the baby in the manger. They know you as the one who walked this earth um, on Easter celebrating 
what you've done, but really have, have, have not received that gift of eternal life that you offer. I pray, Lord, that if there's someone here today and needs to pray that prayer of salvation, Lord, that you would just come close to that person right now. Lord, that you would bring assurance in their life as they pray that simple prayer of, yes, I'm a sinner, I need your cleansing. Clean me up from the inside out, Lord. Help me to follow you. I want to receive your gift of eternal life and walk in your ways. Lord, if there's someone praying a prayer like that, I pray that you would, again, bring assurance to their hearts that as they pray that prayer, you have come <laughs> to clean up and, and, and enter in to their life. And I pray, Lord, that you would give that person uh, victory today and the days ahead. And Lord, also, too, that if there's someone here today that, that knows you as Savior, that has followed you, but that relationship has grown stale. Maybe it has become, uh, it has not become priority and it's been shoved back on the priority list quite a bit. The Bible has grown dust upon it and hasn't been read a lot. Prayer life is, is lagging a bit. Attendance maybe even to uh, Bible studies or church is kind of in between. But Lord, maybe today you've spoken to that person's heart. And maybe today, Holy Spirit, you're prompting that person to get back with you. If there's someone here today that's doing that, Lord, I ask that you again would bring assurance to their life that you always loved them. Your love, <laughs> we cannot be separated from your love, no matter what we do. So I pray, Lord, that you would, again, bring assurance to their hearts, their hearts and their lives, that you have come in. And that that relationship has been restored as they prayed with you. And Lord, that you, again, would just continue to work in their lives. <laughs> we love you, Lord, for how you do those things. And I pray, Lord, that as we go through these days ahead, Lord, that we would we would be reminded of your promises in our lives. And Lord, uh, I would think that re being reminded of, of your love and faithfulness to, to, to us probably brings a smile on our hearts and our faces. Lord, thank you for rescuing us from sin and from death. And I pray, Lord, that... Uh, that you continue to guide and direct, and as we draw close to you, you draw close to us, and that we continue to walk this, this life together close to you. Thank you for this special time, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity to draw close to you and have a special prayer with you. And I pray that you'd continue to bring encouragement and continue to guide and direct in our lives. We love you, Lord, so very much. In your name we pray. Amen.